0: We, uh, there's not a rule that you have to use the three subs.
1: You're a famous competitor.
0: Um, he's, he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt.
1: Alrighty, hello everybody welcome back to the 37th episode of the third sub we're back a bit later than we would have hoped but I was gone for the weekend and I luckily unluckily depending on your perspective I think uh, pretty fortunate that I, I missed the Whitecaps game live and uh, if before you say lucky I, I did rewatch it so maybe I, I wasn't as, as lucky as I should have been but we're back to talk about the Whitecaps in the 37th episode. And then uh, once we get all our thoughts out about the Whitecaps, we'll, we'll move on to some happier Canadian soccer stories in uh, in episode 38. But for 37, I'm your co-host, Alexander Gongay-Ruzik, and I'm back faithfully as usual, Samuel Rowan. Time to talk some Whitecaps. And, I mean, lucky us. We just got two doozies to talk about again. And, I mean, credit to the Whitecaps. They didn't get, you know, battered by TFC again in the rematch. and while they did lose 1-0 and while they didn't look particularly like they were ever going to come close to equalizing the game, it's progress. And I think it, sh- it was a step in the right direction in some parts, but in the same time, it was just a step backward in others. So I guess before we dive into, into that, you know, into the game itself, I guess, just how, how are you and how have you coped with having to deal with the aftermath of that Friday, just the loss?
0: Yeah, another day, another podcast, another Whitecaps loss is what it feels like right now. And uh, it's an interesting match. I mean, there's, I guess, some positives to take out of it. Ultimately, the tactics and formation were slightly better than on Tuesday, but I think lots of, you know, gaping holes still for Mark Dos Santos to try to fix as the Whitecaps now head to Montreal. And, uh, yeah, I think you're probably better off uh, – out adventuring on the weekend than then sitting inside watching that one. Cause I have to confess, I mean, you got into the second half there, especially like 75th, 80th minute. It was kind of hard to stay engaged because it was one of those ones where, yeah, the white caps didn't necessarily look like they were going to concede five or six, but it also never felt like they were going to make a match of it unless something really kind of fluky or out of the ordinary happened So yeah, we're going to, I know Alex, you have some, some tactical things you want to dive into. I certainly have some individual performances I want to shout out. So we're going to try to make the most of what, what could be a relatively short and boring podcast. We're going to try to pick out little parts of the match and, and make it as, uh, as interesting and fruitful of a discussion as we can. Well, b-
1: before, who was more out in the woods? Me, me out in the in the bush of uh, near near Chilliwack, or the the, the caps midfield? I have a question for you. But <laughs> <laughs> jokes aside, I I feel it was tough for for you know tactically because I feel like the white caps maybe tactically while they the five 3 two maybe set themselves up to defend. I did think that it limited some of their best players and best starters. So you know it, it just wasn't a pretty watch I, I watched it last night and I do say I mean it's hard to sit back and take 60 to 70 minutes to watch a game again because that's what, what it takes if you fast forward corner kicks cause you, you notice there's a lot of time wasted on corner kicks goal kicks you save a lot of time that way so I do like re-watching games to fast forward through that but I had my pause button out and going and I was just cause sometimes when you watch games live, you get caught up in how the balance of a game goes. And for a bad game, say Toronto FC Whitecaps on Tuesday, where they get battered, you just get emotionally drained by, like, you know, the catastrophe of it. And then in a game like the Chicago win, the 2 0, or the Thomas Hassall, like, 0 0 against SKC, where he carried their team to the penalties, you get caught up in the highs of the game, you know, the online just the frenzy and how hyped it is. So when, you know, it's not often you take the time to sit down and rewatch a game or watch a game, just and analyze things and look at things. You don't get to pause and notice if you're watching live. Cause if you do, you're going to, I mean, I do have PVR function on my TV. I can pause. It's just, you miss out on other parts of the game, just watching the game. There's just so much with the white caps that you don't notice how flawed it is. And you do start to wonder, you know, if it's possible that they start changing it. So, you know, I, I don't know you if you, 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 get what I mean by, you know, what, what, why, why I'm saying that and why the white caps are flawed. I just feel like that's a fair statement to say that they're, they're fundamentally flawed. And you do wonder, is it personnel? Is it tactics? Is it, you know, coaching is all three mixed parts of all three. And that's where we're, we're starting to question things, let's say.
0: Yeah, I think once again, I mean, I said this in the last podcast, it, it continues to feel like the white caps are less than the sum of their parts right now. Like, it's as much as, yes, you are constantly looking to improve your group of players and have the white caps spent to the level of other clubs in MLS, maybe not, but I, I don't think that you're maximizing what you could be getting out of this squad right now. And I think one of the areas I look at, tactically, and we chatted a little bit about this pre-show is one of the huge positives of the Caps preseason play was dynamic players on the wings and building from the wings and kind of, you know, interplaying runs between the midfielders and wingers. And as much as that 5-3-2, yes, it gets Ali Adnan involved. Yes, it shows a little bit better structure defensively and kind of helped Put a quick fix on some of those problems from the match back on Tuesday, but you've got no Dahomey, no Malinkovic in the starting lineup. And, you know, once again, looked quite narrow and, you know, and and lacking creativity going forward. And, and I think for me, it's Malinkovich has been, we haven't really talked about it, but he's been sorely missed, I think, in a starting role. He definitely provides something that the White Caps haven't had over the last couple matches. And Maybe that's been a bit of a fitness issue because obviously he picked up a knock down in Orlando, but they need that dynamic play from the wings. They need something other than Lucas Cavallini trying to do it all himself up front. And I know that, you know, Alex, as you've kind of already alluded to, that as much as the 5 3 2 maybe improved some facets of the Whitecaps game, it certainly didn't bring the best out of Toussaint Ricketts and Lucas Cavallini, I don't think.
1: Well, if we're gonna talk maybe individually, I do feel like the Whitecaps they never get the best out of the players they need to get the best out of. And I feel like Leonard Awusu is limited in his position. Obviously, Ali Adnan is a conundrum that we talk about a lot. So uh, maybe we'll 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 stay we'll spare him for 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 now because we talk about him a lot. Um, you know, Lucas Cavallini was. He, he's deployed in his preferred position, but he's just not getting it. Nowhere near close to the amount of service he should be getting. I feel like if you took Josie Altador and swapped him with Lucas Cavallini right now, because you know, Altidore, he's been kind of unfit recently and not you know, maybe not at the, the level of, of fitness that he'd hope to be at. I think Cavallini would be scoring for fun in this Toronto FC lineup because I just look at their formation. like, how did they not score more considering how dominant they were? It's just Altidore, you know, none fit. Akinola was really good in that role, and then he got injured. So strikers curse in Toronto, whatever you want to call it. But Cavallini in the white cap system, again, limited to St. Ricketts, great player. I just felt like he and Cavallini in a in a three five in a five three two three five two whatever you want to call it chicken before the horse or a horse chicken before the egg egg before the chicken. Ricketts and, and Cavallini would have been great in a four four two, whereas you know three three five two I can't say and pretend that is their ideal formation for them and it's just you look at the individuals across the board besides the goalkeepers and this, maybe the center backs. Did the 3-5-2 get the most out of everyone? Ali and then a bit, yeah, he got a row more. But besides that, it just didn't get the best. And you look at TFC, for some reason, they've struck this balance where their best players think Pozuelo, Piadi, Bradley, they're at their best. And then to complement them, guys like Lorea, a right-back slash right-mid playing at left-back, he looked great out of position. Azorio, a number 10 playing at a, as on the left wing. He's he, they got the best out of him. The White Caps aren't getting enough out of their best best players in position and they're not getting enough from their supporting cast played out of position or maybe not in their preferred position. So they have to find a way to provide that. And I mean, we talk about formations every episode. We float new ideas and, you know, that's just the coach in us, the, the analyst in us, whatever you want to call it. I think it's fair to look at a team each game and switch your mind on, perform- on formations until you find one that works. So, you know, we're gonna have new ideas when the white caps lose. I think that's not uh you know, that's not reactionary of us, but I do have some ideas for maybe ways to fix that, because I just think DeSantos needs to return to some some formations that just gets the best out of his players. Because if guys like if cavallini I think if you're looking at the spine of the White Caps, if guys like Lucas Cavallini, Leonard Owusu, and you know, those two guys in particular, obviously Ali Adnan, I mean, Ian Bumble is here, but if those two aren't producing at their best, this Whitecaps team just isn't going anywhere. I think that's a fair statement to say.
0: Well, and something I'm reminded of is that as much as you can mess around with different formations and, you know, try to manipulate the game to get the most out of your players that way, you also have to have a sense of what your identity is as a team, regardless of the formation you're playing. So, you know, maybe you're a counterattacking team or you're a team that loves to, you know, create from the wings, but throughout all, whatever formation you're playing, you have to kind of understand when you're at your best, how are you playing? Like what kind of style of football are you playing to get the most out of your squad? And it just feels like not only do the Whitecaps not have you know, a formation they're sticking with, but they also don't necessarily know how to play their best football and get the most out of it. And we really haven't seen, you know, what I would think is is close to that, I guess, since either the preseason or maybe that match against the LA Galaxy. And until they kind of get a couple consistent performances and start to, you know, realize what their, what their best kind of look is, it's going to be very difficult to settle in and, on a formation, a starting eleven or identity. And it's just it very much feels like the white caps are kinda lost in the wilderness right now. They're constantly constantly searching for the answer, but it's it, it's quite the challenge. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't envy Mark Santos's position right now because it it feels like you're just changing things for the sake of changing things and kind of hoping that it works out.
1: Well I guess that kind of sets the table for my tactics talk, maybe rant not sure yet but i just look at the white caps tactically you're you're gonna have to guide guide me through this talk slash rant here but sure it's just with the white caps tactics it feels like from what i saw and i'm 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 happy i took the time to watch the game this way because it exposed a lot of things for me but i for anyone for some reason you want to watch the tape again you you want to see some of these things i'm seeing go ahead but for example, the ball—what they do with the ball in possession—I think is the most frustrating, because you want this team to be a free-flowing attacking team. I mean, jokingly on the last show, we said that the White Caps fans would not mind if the Caps sat back and won one-nil every game, and that was done quite tongue-in-cheek. And one, you know, a shout out to to the one listener—he he reached out, and I, I do—I do not
0: so I, like that comment. Was and, and not me, a fan. I,
1: and, and to be fair, I don't blame him. So, you know, you're probably listening. So, I shout out to you. I did maybe over exaggerate that concept. But I think where we all can agree on and maybe put that idea behind us is that the Whitecaps just need, it doesn't matter if they're playing 10 guys on their line, they need to generate more. I don't, you know, that's where I, that's kind of more the feeling I feel, what the sentiment I was getting from that other statement is the whitecaps it doesn't matter if they're playing 10 guys on the line blocking shots with their head or if they're playing a line that's you know that's so high that you know the, the some yeah just a high line you, they just need to find a way to generate more chances I feel like defensively at this point that isn't the problem that hasn't been the problem for whatever since Kendall Watson was here whitecaps typically are a good defensive team they just need to generate chances and at least when Alfonso Davies was here, he was a machine on his own. So he'd just pass him the ball and he'd dribble four guys, and Kai Kamara would run in the box and match complete. Christian Techera. The Whitecaps don't have any of that. And maybe they just need to find a way to get their most the most out of their players. And I watched the game on, on yesterday, but from Friday, first thing stand out to me. You get the ball at the back, you're Thomas Assault. Toronto FC presses away your options. What do you do? You lump it long. I mean, if you have Lucas Cavallini and Tossain Ricketts up front, I think they won out of like the 20 long balls I saw, maybe three. And that's just not fair to them because Cavallini, yes, he's built like a fridge, but he's not built like a skyscraper. He's built like a compact he's, he's not fridge. A, he's
0: not an aerial wizard. And, and I don't think Tossain Ricketts is either.
1: Yeah, and Tossaint Ricketts is a bit taller and he did get his head on things, but he's not a guy who's going to be bringing the ball down. Like, if you want to do that, you go out right now and you go sign like I, I did a bioac in Fenway or you go sign basically like a, a, a wardrobe on wheels you know but lucas cavalini is like a, a is,
0: is andy carroll available
1: if andy carroll oh god i don't think <laughs> we'd want him in the white caps for a multitude of reasons but you go out and sign a wardrobe you go you know you go over to the to the canucks and You'd be like tyler myers can you sign tyler myers and just stick him up front to to vacuum up long balls? but you don't you don't play long balls with to St. Ricketts and Lucas Cavallini. So first of all, that's, that's problemo numero uno. And then another problem is whenever the Whitecaps do get the ball in the defensive line and they're not pressed, they're passing around the back is just, they were better last year at passing around the back. And I think that's maybe where someone like Eric Godoy is missed because his passing is sorely underrated. Daniil Henry, I thought was an excellent passer of the ball. So Whitecaps get it. And but but it goes Ranko, up Adn-
0: Ranko and Andy Rose,
1: in theory at least
0: should have all three of those guys are, are pretty solid on the ball. So I think it comes down to execution and sort of play style rather than it's not like those guys lack the ability, I don't think.
1: No, they don't lack the ability at all. and that's where the, the next point is is that the white caps don't move enough offensively, and it's frustrating to the point because you, know, you get frustrated watching games and I, I just get frustrated sometimes when I watch any game really and I notice runs that aren't picked up and whatnot. So for when the Whitecaps lack a run, I just get frustrated because I just sometimes like watching free-flowing football, and I'll be watching a team, and I'll pl- be playing a team I like, and it'll be a team I hate, and I'll still be getting frustrated, like, you know, make a darn run kind of thing. It's almost frustrating. It's like, you, it's like you're almost you, in your mind. You're on the pitch, and you're seeing that run being made, and it's not being picked up, whereas with the white caps, I was pausing yesterday, and I think there was a couple of times I would pa- pause on Ali Adnan at left back getting the ball, Norwinski at right back. And he'd look up, and there was no winger because it's a 5-3-2. Leonard Owusu was too far away. Paddy Metcalf was marked off by a guy. The center back somehow was already marked off by a TFC guy. So one option is play a really risky pass to Owusu, which based on the, the hitting, hitting long tactics that had been established were never going to happen or give it away. And that's where the lack of movement was concerning. Why didn't Leonard Wusu shift over and make an option? Why didn't the centre-back, you know, drop back? And why didn't the, the midfielder come close, forcing the, the, the presser to pick between Nowinski and the ball, allowing him to fake? You know, there's just so much. A lack of movement made it impossible to destabilise the Toronto FC defence. Is basically what i'm trying to, to, to say with the you know there's no no problem with someone like norwinski and Adnan getting marked out but his teammates have to provide him the support to either be able to dribble or give him a passing option that breaks you know the the the, the toronto fc defensive line and I, and I know sam when you see with toronto fc you saw the movement they're, they're making you see what happens when michael bradley gets the ball the team around him unlocks
0: well, I think I think speaking to that kind of regardless of formation, having an identity and TFC very much exactly like you said, when the ball gets into the midfield, everyone kind of switches on and it's like, all right, now is the time to be creative. Now is the time to get open, get in space, play passes, one-twos, you know, create something going forward. And it feels like whatever shape TFC's in, they do a really good job of that. And for me with the Whitecaps, I think it comes down to their strength, if they were to have one right now, is or or when I've seen them this season play their best football, it's having Dahomey and Milankovic or off the bench, guys like Raposo and Bear out on the wings in wide areas, give them the ball, and all of a sudden – Guys run around them. Guys make overlapping runs. Cavallini darts into the box. To St. Rickett darts into the box. You already ran if he's on the pitch. Having those guys, and so I think the Whitecaps need to find a way to get their wide players involved in a way they just haven't been since the restart, and really even since I guess the last time it felt like those wide players were involved was that San Jose match, maybe. And obviously, Maybe, that, obviously that was, that was, was a followed. crazy one because it was just really counterattacking and kind of scrambly play more than anything. But at least those guys felt a little bit involved in that one. And uh, yeah, I just think that that's, you know, you got to try try something different than what you've been doing currently in this kind of super narrow, structured hoof it up to the forward system that they've been operating on for the last couple of matches really hasn't worked. And, and maybe that's a four, three, three, maybe that's something a little more complex than that. But I think even like the four, three, three, it allows you that ability to play essentially a four, five, one defensively and have those two really strong banks of defensive, you know, defensive positioning that you're looking for, but then it gives you that creativity to go forward. And I think for the white cap's, the only way right now like they're not capable of moving well enough to create you know dynamic offense out of a more conservative formation so you need something like a four three three where you just have players in a forward position otherwise it just doesn't feel like they can create right now
1: and that leads me to my next point in the offensive at least the offensive rant kind of an- analysis and this is another key term that is used in tactical analysis and in, in football. Now it's a pretty modern term. I, I think, but it's the line breaking pass. And I don't think the white caps, you look at them, they just don't break enough lines in possession. And that was a problem last year too. And the one guy they did have who could break passes, a line, maybe aside from in was Yann Arise. And he was just always marked out and he wasn't allowed to break the lines, but, you look at guys on the white caps, I look at Leonard Owusu's highlight package. He can break lines, but he isn't breaking lines. Russell Tybert's not really much of a line-breaking passer. He's more of a pass it to someone who can then break the line. So I'm not going to fault Russell Tybert for being limited in in what he can do. I think we all know what Russell Tybert can do. Maybe Patty Metcalf can be someone that can break lines. Ali Nen can break lines, but he did not break it enough. But basically a a line breaking pass for those who aren't, you know, who don't know the definition is when you take up, when you get the ball, there's defensive lines, usually in a typical team will be a defensive line, midfield line, offensive line, but there can be as little as two lines. If it's a two banks of four and as many as like five or six lines, depending on how the other team lines up. But it's basically just any pass that progresses through into another part of the pitch by passing one or more TFC players. So, why, when you watch the Whitecaps on, against TFC on Friday, too often they'd make a pass and Toronto FC wouldn't be broken by it. So they'd make the first pass out of the press. TFC had a pretty aggressive press, three-man press, taking away the three center backs, which, you know, maybe that's why the four, a four at the back would have been a wise change just because it would have left TFC's uh, attackers to press a little more confused. But, but because there was three center backs and the fullbacks pushed forward, they, they were able to man-mark, but what would happen is Thomas Hassall, unless he booted it long, would play it to like Andy Rose or Ranko Veselinovic, and he'd try to play it up to Jake Nowinski, and then the TFC forward line would drop, and they wouldn't break any lines. Whereas when TFC got it in possession, they'd get the ball to center back. They'd get it to Michael Bradley, who hadn't broken the first line, but then he'd break Cavalini and Ricketts with the pass to Pusuelo or Ozorio. And then they'd break the lines to their winger, like Piatti or, or Larea making an overlapping run. And all of a sudden, the, the TFC was on the, the Whitecaps defensive line, whereas the Whitecaps, when they would get possession, be get the ball to the center back, either hoof it up and give it, give it away or play it to Norwinsky or Adnan, who wouldn't be able to play it to the midfield or they'd lose the ball, they'd turn it over. And they just basically didn't break any lines. And, I do challenge list viewers or listeners of, of, who are listening right now, next time you watch any game, look for a line-breaking pass. And one specifically, a line-breaking pass the Whitecaps don't make enough of are passes that go from their midfield to their forwards. And just watch teams. Like, say, TFC does it really well if you're, watch, if you're looking within MLS. But look what happens when a ball goes from feet from a midfield to a striker. Even if the striker has a bad touch, or most of the time, it's actually mind-boggling how destabilizing it is. There's one example that really stuck out to me from the Whitecaps. Is someone played Cavallini a pass through the t- TFC midfield line? Cavallini had a terrible touch, and it went behind him. But because Toronto's three of defenders, Toronto's defenders sucked in. That was the chance where Russell Tybert snuck through and got dragged down by Fraser for the yellow. Sam, you remember that one, correct? Because it was a pretty yeah. high-profile play. That was a perfect example of what a line-breaking pass can do because even if your striker bo- bobbles it or something, the defense was so destabilized by one good pass. And if you watch TFC, they make those passes all the time, whereas the Whitecaps, it's such a rare occurrence. And, you sh- and they show it how line-breaking. I think another example that sticks out to me is the Chicago game when on the goals. The pass by Ali Adnan to Dahomey who all the defenders sucked into him, Yordi Reyna just sneaks in behind. All of a sudden it's a breakaway because they just broke two lines of play with two passes. We haven't seen that much besides those two white caps goals against the fire. They don't break any lines and it's, it's painful and it's frustrating to see because they just don't destabilize defenses. They don't destabilize presses. So Toronto FC without really getting into second year, they pressed not that hard, but they pressed enough to keep the white caps frustrated and their defense didn't really have to do much work besides that Fraser drag down and that Jake Norwinski cross, where, again, the Whitecaps broke a few lines, whipped the good ball in. I didn't agree with the cross in from Adnan, but it was a great ball. It, that's what happens. The Whitecaps just don't destabilize enough defenses, and that comes down to a lack of movement and a lack of a line-breaking passes.
0: Well, and, and when I think of the Whitecaps' defensive struggles when they've had them over the past couple of years, it's usually you know, as you said, I think the Whitecaps are are pretty decent at defense, defending the first phase. But like you said, when there are those kind of line breaking passes or, you know, destabilizing runs, the Whitecaps' ability to reorganize and get ready for that second attempt or second phase has been poor by comparison. And, and conversely, on the other end of the pitch, the Whitecaps don't do enough of that. They don't Make a destabilizing pass or destabilizing run that forces a team's defensive shape to reorganize. And, you know, that's where you can find weaknesses. That's where you can create something. And mm-hmm. if you're not making that initial move to, you know, deorganize the opposition, then you don't get the opportunity to score unless, you know, that first move is such a potent and perfect one that it just beats the defensive lines clean which you know the white caps haven't been doing that often
1: well that's where it comes to my formation which is pretty much the last part of this ish monologue ish ran i haven't really got too heated yet but maybe that's just cuz watching that game yesterday was just more soul sucking than than paint than than angering but the white caps probably need to go back to the 433 or the 4231 and we've been saying that and I do like the four-four-two again. I'm I'm not. I'm going to say that every time. I'm I'm a fan of the four-four-two. I believe it has, when used properly, it's it's lethal. But again, with the Whitecaps personnel, they're just not built. Basically, they they have the players to play an effective four-four-two, but the four-four-two is not their problem. It won't fix their problem. Sorry, that's what I mean to say, and that's where they need to go to a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three, just because. They need an extra body in midfield. And I think having that extra body in midfield helped in the five three two, but they also need to get that support on the wings. I think it was painfully obvious when Adnan and Norwinsky would get the ball and they had no runners off the wings. That's where Milinkovic, Dahomey, and Bear would come into play for me. I, they need to be in a 4-2-3-1, you know, just because they provide support on the wings. And what's great about the four three three slash four two three one is that the number ten out of possession can push up and press in a 4-4-2. I do have an article out on the BTS website if you do like tactics and you want to learn a little more about this stuff or at least see what I'm saying in a more visual standpoint. There was one I did from preseason. Back then the Whitecaps were playing a 4-2-3-1. It was from the Minnesota game and I analyzed a lot of the concepts they were showing with some GIFs and some photos. So if you can shout that out, I do think it's I, I, I don't remember the name off the top of my head, and maybe I'll find it at, by the end of the episode, but it was basically just a white caps analysis. And one thing that stood out is that Jordi Reyna was playing as a 10, and he was dropping between the lines, and he was destabilizing. He would get the ball. He'd play off of Tybert and Inbaum at the time. They'd get Milinkovic involved. They'd get Adnan involved. It was really destabilizing. But in the press, they They cha- Reyna would push right up into a 4-4-2 with Cavallini, and they would press and cause problems for Minnesota because Malinkovic and Dahomey are very underrated defensive wingers. And they, the, the bank of two in the midfield would find a way not to get stretched. And I mean, Owusu is probably, if anything, more physically fit than Inbam, So you'd think the fourth, two, three, one could work. And I look at the whitecaps. I just think you already is as too much of an enigma at this point to start. But Ryan Raposo. I think it's his time. I, I think after watching him come off the bench a couple times, it's his time to play as a number 10 as the Whitecaps. I don't know, Sam, if you can, if you concur or, you know, if you disagree or whatnot, but I think he's a number 10. He plays the line breaking passes, but he presses. And I think if the Whitecaps want to play a 4 2 3 1, but also a 4 4 2 defensively, I think it's time that we unlock a Raposo Cavallini formation because. If you look at the White Caps problems, they need to break more lines, Raposo can do that. They need to press higher, Raposo can do that. They need more depth on the wings, the 4-2-3-1 does that. And I just think for their problems, they need to find a way to fix their problems and not as well as get the most out of their players and right now they're not doing they're not doing any of those too.
0: Yeah, I think I think the solution there of having Reposo at the 10 does you know potentially help solve that that missing link between the midfield and Lucas Cavallini, And I think maybe that combined with some wing play would be a good solution. You know, and, and with the 4-3-3, the, the issue could potentially be just having a gulf between those three midfielders and the three attackers and not having a way to link those up. So it's obviously depends on, you know, how Mark DeSantos feels about the individual players and how he thinks he can fit all those pieces together, but at least hypothetically, I think we'd we'd like to see that. And Ryan Raposo has said since the first time that we interviewed him when he was drafted, he kind of said at that time, hey, I'm a I'm a versatile player. I can be a striker. I can be a number 10. I can be a winger. I think I'm capable of playing at all these positions. And so obviously it's different at the MLS level, but I do think that he possesses a lot of those skills. And I think it's one of those things really where you know, it's it's early enough in Raposo's career where you haven't, you know, pigeonholed him into a specific role. And so why not put him in as a number ten and let him grow in that position? Especially, you know, this is I don't wanna say it's a lost season for the White Caps, but the season doesn't, you know, it's it's a massive mess. Like it doesn't really does it really matter where the White Caps finish in the I'll use an air quotes a regular season standings this year? Like I don't well, it, I don't feel like it really matters. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to try things and focus on player development as much as fighting for... Obviously, you want to fight for three points, but you also want to get something out of this season that helps you into next year and the years to come.
1: Well, I do think they should prioritize the Canadian championship just because the Champions League spot is mm-hmm. understated and you, the recruitment value that can come with it, especially in terms of getting players from abroad to come join but I do agree especially with how young the Whitecaps are they do want to they need to show some growth from some of these players because they're young they're going to grow and also the better they play they're going to sell them for more money I'm just saying if they want to be a sell-on club it wouldn't be the worst to prop up the value of some of these players at the very least because at least you look at a player a situation like Alfonso Davies when he played a bunch because the Whitecaps were Obviously, he was the best player, but you know he got thrown into the fire a bit more. And even though the Whitecaps didn't make the playoffs, they made about a lot of money off of Alfonso Davies. So at and least and they, ju- they the just kids,
0: made a little bit more money yeah, off of that. They
1: just made a little bit more. And look at Thomas Hassall; he was thrown to the wolves. I, I bet you before he was a fifty thousand player. Now I wouldn't be surprised if a team threw five hundred thousand, a million, at him just from him playing and coming in and getting thrown to the fire. So again, at the very least play your kids it has benefits for many reasons but <laughs> that aside i just think Raposo would he's just an answer to some of the white caps problems and i look at what some of the things the white caps did there's not some of the other solutions haven't been the answers like a five three two yes you look better on the scoreboard because you don't lose three nothing you lose one nothing but, but that's
0: like, that's about the best case scenario even, there with that even
1: formation, if lorrea like. doesn't score that world the Whitecaps were just not gonna gonna win that game. They weren't gonna. It was gonna be a draw at most. And if that really is, is you want what you want to play for? And to maybe circle back to the point about, you know, the the the, the comment from last the last podcast. That's where I agree 100. As a as a fan, the last thing you want to see is your head coach play for a nil nil draw. And that's where I completely concur with that. And where stylistically, you'd want to see some cohesion and. You're, you shouldn't be playing for a nil nil draw i feel like that's ridiculous unless it's the playoffs if, yeah. if it's the if it's a knockout situation and you genuinely have confidence in your penalty takers you shouldn't be playing for a nil nil draw that's absolutely absurd and, and that's more what i'd be worrying about than than you know some of the other tactical stuff and that's where someone you got to bring changes to fix that I feel, I feel like if a 4-2-3-1 a 4-2-3 but Honestly, I'd rather the Whitecaps get thrown to the Wolves defensively right now than, than, you know, than try to, to sit back because you're not going to learn anything from sitting back. You're going to get a few feel-good results. You're going to pat yourself on the back. But we stood up to TFC. They haven't lost in over a year. We didn't get blown out that bad. Moral victories. But at a certain point, moral victories aren't going to do anything for you. You, need, you had your moral victories against the fire, against the Galaxy Against TFC, you don't go and hang on. At least against the Galaxy, they pushed initiative for most of the game. Against the Fire, they, they on purpose had no one and they sat back and then they rode a wave to victory. But recently, it just feels like no matter, even though their best players are in the lineup, they're just holding on to a life raft and they're saying, oh, we're still afloat. But at a certain point, swim. Dive in and, and, and swim. Go, try to go to, the new, to new horizons. Try to go to new frontiers. Try to attack play a game where the XG battle is 4-4 four to four for both teams and everyone – it's like a 5-5 five, five game like El Trafico style because at this point you'd learn from it. And the Whitecaps defense is good enough to take risks. I feel like you look at guys like Cornelius, Cornelius Ranko, Andy Rose, Eric Godoy, maybe Yasser Kamiri is not the kind of guy you want in that kind of risky game. But the other defenders, Adnan again, maybe not the guy you want in a risky game, but Nerwinski can drop back. Well, but the, play the with thing some is, fire
0: the thing is what they're doing right now is defensively risky you're absorbing a ton of pressure, so it's not like you know it would be different if you're playing this uber defensive style and somehow you're you're limiting the opposition's shots you're limiting the opposition's corners you're limiting def, you know possession in the in the final third, but you're not doing that. Like you're putting a ton of strain on your team defensively. So I think the idea that somehow you're going to, you know, expose yourself more by trying to be a bit creative on attack is, is is a bit of a, is a bit of a false narrative. I think, you know, you're already putting a ton of strain on your team defensively. And so at this point you might as well try to do something creative on the offensive end as well.
1: Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to fail trying, at least try big. And that's what I liked about the preseason. The Whitecaps played good football and they won. Like at this Um, point, imagine that I'd take one of those two at this point. I'd just take the nice football at this point. I I wouldn't even care about the win at this point. Just people shouldn't be falling asleep consistently during Whitecaps. That's a whole other story, but it's just like, show some growth, show Mm -hmm. some, show some attacking guile, show some, effort i'd rather see a guy like a leonard turn over the ball trying to do too much right now than try to do nothing because at a certain point trying to do nothing if it's not going to work you may as well try something and there are teams that are good at trying nothing and they're really good i think of atletico madrid they bored the living heck out of you but they're so good at being boring so if the whitecaps had mastered that maybe i'm trying to think of an mls equivalent of a team that's just really boringly good and maybe my, my memory is failing me for now. I'll, I'll come up with the team. Cause I'm, I'm trying to think of, yeah.
0: you know, maybe uh... I'm not really sure. I don't, I, MLS doesn't usually have a team like that, but I, I kind of want to tie a bit of a, let's tie a bit of a bow on this tactical talk. And, okay. and, and the one thing I want to kind of do to wrap that up. And I, I tweeted this out. I also asked it in the post-match uh, media availability. Is, you know, at the end of the day, okay, you made some tactical changes. Maybe, you know, big picture narrative, the performance was a bit better than Tuesday, but one shot on target on Tuesday, one shot on target on Friday. To me, it's just like, even if nothing else goes right and you lose 4 0 to Montreal, you need five shots on target. You need something to show for it. You cannot just continue to you know, have essentially one offhand chance on target per match. Like it's just not a not a, a realist not a realistic or acceptable way to play. But I do want to talk a little bit about two of the individual positives I thought from the last match with TFC. And that's Thomas O'Sull who was really strong again. I believe seven saves, couple nice reaction stops distribution still a little meh, but I think it is improving and it part of it is down to, you know, teammates not getting open or not necessarily having a cohesive identity going forward. And then Patrick Metcalf as well, who, you know, maybe didn't, it it wasn't a worldly performance, but at the same time had a strong, you know, strong passing accuracy and, and often kind of was open space and didn't necessarily get the ball. And, and I think there's a lot of, upward growth to be had there for Metcalf and it was really awesome to see him get his first MLS start and And I think there's a yeah there's tons of room there for Metcalf to improve and you know I think if you look at okay the the performances in bomb has had so far this season in MLS before being moved on is Metcalf a huge downgrade right now I, I think based on the way in bomb was playing not really
1: I like Metcalf's game. I've liked what he's done. I feel like I agree with DeSantos' assessment that he needs to be more aggressive. It yeah, sounds but, like but, in training, but so, so does the rest of the team. In he, so does the rest of the team. And at least I like that youngster's guile. And that's kind of... I feel like with, with maybe someone like Raposo is a good example for Metcalf because I feel like Raposo and him, similar ages. Raposo gets a lot more involved and he tries things, whereas Metcalf's a little more tentative but I don't blame him as a number eight that's a hard position to come in and master as a as a youngster so I do want to see more of him honestly if it's a four three three or a 4 Awusu and Tiber are the guys to stick in maybe just for like is you know for 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 veteran you need some someone on the some veteran spine on the field but the last spots between Raposo and Metcalf and Metcalf it depends what you're going for and I think Metcalf's shown to be a very reliable number eight he doesn't isn't anything spectacular but heck I would not even mind seeing a formation where Metcalfs ends alongside WuSu and Raposo is the number 10 and get Tybert on the bench Cause, I mean Tybert's played pretty much every minute of every game this year you could give him a rest and freshen things up I wouldn't be opposed to that at this point so I just think Metcalf keeps giving him a claim for more minutes just because he's so reliable for a young player and with him you see what he can do when he's cautious. I just I'm excited to see what happens when you free up the reins cuz I've seen him play at his more free self in other games and he can really put his influence on a game, I think.
0: And so one other thing I want to throw to you and we haven't really talked about it yet and we're, you know, almost 40 minutes in I think here, but what can we expect out of this Montreal Impact team? I mean, haven't haven't played a match in a while, not since MLS is back with a 1-0 loss to uh, Orlando City. But, uh, yeah, what can we – obviously, TFC, you know, it's been mentioned over and over, but they've been on a, on a great run of form in terms of MLS regular season play. Montreal, n- not so much, but, but still a team with some good quality. So what can we, what can we look for or expected of those guys?
1: If the Whitecaps don't win, I would be worried Let's just say I I think the impact are a great team, but I do feel there is some value to the rust versus not playing and the Whitecaps should not be rusty. And I just feel like the White, the impact are struggling right now with their identity and they got hit hardest by the pandemic because for whatever reason, under Cherry Henry, they were flying before the pandemic and the Champions League and all that. They just looked good in their three, five, two. I mean, I don't know how they were doing it because they had like two center backs, and one of them was thirty-nine-year-old Rod Fanny who had almost retired last year, and he just came back. And all these guys got injured, but for whatever reason, since everyone's been healthy, they've kind of been like the Whitecaps. They've just struggled to find an identity. There. Lost,
0: lost three of their last four, and and, and that one win was a was a one 0 over DC United, which it wasn't wasn't, pr- wasn't a great pretty. performance either.
1: And it wasn't. They're struggling between finding the three-five-two, the four-three-one-two, just because. Their players, it's like the White Caps. They have a bunch of, if anything, they have way better players than the White Caps. You look at someone like Bojan Kirkic, Lassi Lapalainen, Origio Quanquo, Safir Tider. What what the White Caps fans would do for a Safir Tider right now? Victor Wanyama. What, if you're talking about what a White Caps fan would do for Tider, what would a White Caps fan do for Wanyama right now? Samuel Piet. Any of those three guys would step right into the White Caps midfield. You look at Someone like Zachary Bruguillard, he struggled with injuries, but he's been pretty good for besides one bad half against Olympia and the Champions League. They got these pieces, but they're just puzzle isn't, they don't know how to put it together offensively, and it's shown. I mean, I think the most, the funniest game was against DC, or it was one of the two games at MLS's back. They had, because they have this Ty Dare, Piet, and Wanyama triangle, they don't know how to deploy them. Samuel Piet was played as a number 10, and for any of you who watched Samuel Piet, that yeah, is he's
0: um, uh not a number ten. Let's
1: just put it out. He way. has he has not scored a professional goal. Let's just put that out there. He's you know, he's got a good ping on him, he's got a good tackle, but let's just say he's not the kind of guy you want to be stirring your drink. And at the very least, Victor Wanyama's got Chelsea, I mean Chelsea. He's got Tottenham experience, top flight experience. He's scored a few screamers in his day. At least him as a number ten would be more defensible than Samuel Piet. But the impactor basically the impactor struggling with identity and they're rusty at least the white caps they've got the identity problem as well but they're not rusty so i'm expecting a very open game let's just say that but i do think if the white caps lose we should maybe ring a few alarm bells so something it's, i just want to
0: something i just want to throw out there quickly sorry to interrupt you alex is that orlando in their 1-0 victory played a 4-2-3-1 against the impact so just kind of doubling down adding to your insights there that that might be a good idea it does seem like that four two three one has been effective against the impact so and it also seems like a pretty good fit so i'm 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 joining on the train i was kind of going four three three there initially but i i think that your idea makes a lot of sense and so maybe that's a pathway for success against the impact
1: well we got to look at matchups and i think the Whitecaps need to be strong against in the midfield. I think the impact midfield is discombobulated, but you can't allow Wanyama, Piet, and air too much time, nor Boyan. So you're going to need some defensive solidity. I think it's going to be tough, because I think Owusu might get marked out of the game again, because he might have to be, do a little more defensively than you would have hoped. But I look at some matchups that I'd want to see prosper, I immediately think of Adnan, because ZBG, Zachary Boguerre, Ad- Amazing attacking fullback, and he will cause Adnan problems. But again, defensively, he's not always there. So I think Adnan has to, if ZBG is playing, or even if another fullback, because if not, it'll be more of a defensive fullback. Adnan has to prosper on that matchup because the impact play really narrow for whatever reason. Even though they have Lapa a Kwonkwo, um, Romel Kyoto, who are all good wingers, they really like to play narrow. So Adnan needs to take advantage of that and prosper in the battle. I think the Whitecaps need wingers as well to put pressure on the impact fullbacks. I think Cavallini needs to really push the, t- the defenders because Gonzalez and Mavinga are solid TFC defenders. Whereas on the impact, they've just struggled with picking their guys because, um, I'm trying to remember his name. Juka Raitala struggled with injuries and Rod Fanny's been playing. And again, Rod Fanny, loved the guy. Love that he's the number seven wearing center back, but he's just an adventurer of his own. So I want to see them get Cavalini the ball, preferably at his feet because he will cause problems. And I want to see the Whitecaps use the wings and the overlapping threat of Adnan. But midfield, maybe they should seed the midfield, but at least unlike against TFC who have, Honestly, two of the top fullbacks in the league, in Lareia and Aro, and one of the best wingers in the league, in Piatti. It feels like the Impact are a little more ripe to pick apart on the wings. And the four-two-three-one, well, Raposo in between the lines. I just want to see that, and I think he could uh, could wreck some havoc. So I feel like if you're the Caps, despite the losses, you have to feel confident about the against the Impact. But this Impact team is a good team. They just also much like the white caps identity crisis.
0: Yeah. Lacking some, some organization and, and continuity right now. So if we had to put a, I guess we haven't really done a lot of this regularly, but if we have to put a a match prediction on this one upcoming, what are, what are we feeling? What are we going with? I think I'm going to, th- I'm going to throw a two, two draw out there because I think the white caps maybe are finally going to push the envelope a little bit going forward and, and maybe bag a few goals. I think, it's about time we see Lucas Cavallini open his account officially for the Whitecaps in regular season play and maybe one of those wingers or maybe a guy like Raposo heck gets their their first MLS goal but I feel like they're going to concede a few as well because they'll definitely, you know, open things up a bit at the other end. So that's my prediction a 2-2 draw but what do you think Alex?
1: I think maybe. logically I'm feeling like a maybe like a a 3-2 or like a a 3-3. Say three three for the white, white caps impact, but like emotionally I'm expecting a one nil impact win. <laughs> Just because setting that bar nice and low. It's either going big or they're gonna go home. And based on how this trip's gone, I think it's maybe might be time for them to go home. But a, a win would be huge. I mean, because a loss pretty much kills our Canadian championship. I like how I like rest- how
0: both of us though we're not even really putting a victory on the table. It's like draw would be a good result. <laughs> that's it's just just the way way it feels right now right
1: it just feels like a victory right now would lift the stress off their shoulders and it's huge because the victory would keep their tropes alive because i'm sorry if they lose today i mean lose today lose tomorrow and the impact will have three points tfc six they're gonna have to hope for a lot of draws and then somehow beat toronto one more time and beat impact twice at home it's they need a win they they need a win because they need to sync the impact with three wins against them and just hope that the impact somehow sinks tfc in concurrence kind of like a three-way battle so yeah no they need a win they, they if they don't they at the very least i want to see a, a red card or something like i want to get see someone get stuck in like show us that you care like yeah. that's the kind of mood i'm at right now if you lose at least lose spectacularly just get, give me something any i don't want to watch you lose 1-0 and have one shot and target it feels like you know, I think we, we've all suffered enough of that.
0: <laughs> so I, I guess to kind of wrap things up here on episode 37 of the third sub, let's just briefly touch on the third sub of the match from, uh, from the last performance against TFC in that 1-0 loss. And that was none other than David Milankovic. And Theo Bear. And Theo Bear.
1: Did they, so did they what, come on at the same time? Is, no, Malink Bear got like a nine-minute cup of coffee,
0: poor guy. Okay, so he was, he was just the fourth sub then. That goes to show how, how tuned out I was near the end of the match. I think my thought process was kind of like, oh, Bear's on. But I didn't really delve into process. it too much further than that.
1: Well, Malinkovic, one word for him, energizer. He, he is fun to watch. He just runs his bag up. So I want to see him start on the impact against the impact on Friday with Dahomey or Mal- a Bear alongside him because Malenka was just – he's a fun guy to watch. I just like the the energy he brings to the side.
0: Yeah, I, I guess my word is starter because I, I think that when when he's been in the starting 11, the Whitecaps have been significantly better and we kind of forget, I guess, that going into this MLS's back tournament – or even through the first couple matches of the MLS's back tournament, like Malinkovic Malinkovic was one of, if not the best player on the Whitecaps roster so far during the season. And he's kind of drifted into obscurity since being injured there. But if, if he is fully fit and capable of going 75 minutes, say, I think they should definitely trot him out against Montreal.
1: And then Bear, I'd say Bear... A one word, it would be release. And I'd be release the bear because this give this man more minutes. He needs them. He just makes things happen. I get MDS maybe was feeling a little disappointed after Bear was caused that turnover on the third TFC goal. It's kind of like the for for hockey fans out there, it's like the Travis Green and the Jake vertanen dichotomy. If some even if he plays if a young guy plays good one mistake you're in the you, you know the coach takes away a little more leash for your young guy so unfortunately for bear that cost him in the form of 20 or 30 yeah. minutes and i just want to see him release the reins on bear more because DeSantos santos has been quite you know has gone easy on him i want to see him release bear to the hounds i feel like mm-hmm. bear could just we show he showed us last year what he can do as a starting role put this put this kid out there
0: yeah well it's a it's a bit of a bit of a dichotomy right because i feel like bear needs the minutes in order to prove himself but mark DeSantos also feels like bear has to prove himself in order to get the minutes so it's just like there's and i do have to say that bear has you know bear has been given a couple opportunities and not necessarily done the most with them but it's largely because tactically and just play wise the team around him hasn't offered much and so that's that's a bit tough and uh this isn't a hockey podcast but i'll just say this uh I don't feel the same way about Jake Vertanen as I do about Theo Bear.
1: Um, oh, no, not at all. I feel like <laughs> Vertanen makes me want to punch more walls than Theo Bear does. So let's yes. just say that. But
0: let's let's hope, yeah, here's to hoping that Bear is, you know, when he does receive another extended opportunity, that he's able to do something with it just to show Mark Dos Santos, hey, I have this ability, I'm I'm here. Because it feels like, kind of like a guy like Derek Cornelius, the performances have just been a little disjointed because the, the role in the lineup has been disjointed. I feel like it's easier to get the most out of yourself when you kind of know what to expect on match day. You know what role you're going to play. And it feels like both Cornelius and Bear right now, guys that were on the upward trend last year and kind of understood what their roles were, it feels like that's become more confused this season. So maybe that's... A part of their struggles to a certain extent not and not that i don't want to actually even say that about cornelius because i think cornelius has been been very solid and so i, I mean I is it wanna... a
1: coincidence that he slots back in on that friday and for the first time all year yeah. the white cab they don't
0: concede a, goals
1: they allowed a goal and it didn't turn into three just saying yeah he's like he's, he's makes, you makes you think makes you makes you makes you wonder but i guess on that note that's all that's all that's all we got. That's all the the ranting juice we got for today.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that pretty much wraps up episode 37, which is, you know, our, our kind of white cap specific recap and, and leading into the match with Montreal. and And we're going to dive into episode 38 here shortly, which is going to detail... Um, some of the Canadian Premier League news as well as you know Alfonso Davies hysteria from the Champions League so we're getting some
1: pretty impressive rants
0: yeah and an interesting debate that was brought up too in relation to Davies and his his Champions League you know victory with with Bayern so we're going to dive into that in episode 38 but thanks everyone for listening to this episode 37 and you can find me on Twitter at Samuel underscore rowboat, um, at E6 forever.com where we are doing pre and post match stuff, you know, report cards where, where we dive into the match performances and you can, you can let us know your thoughts on the individual performances, which are always fun. And uh, yeah, Alex, I'll kick it over to you.
1: Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Alex going um, at BTS fan city. I'm back out of the woods I'll be back tweeting the game let's see hopefully the white caps are out of the woods as well but we'll find out and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully we have some good a uh, fun podcast to talk about maybe even a white cap victory for the you know for, for the third time this year that would be a, that would be a nice a nice little a nice little present but we'll find out on on Tuesday but expect a good one I hope based on what we've seen from both teams form at the very least i want a i want a classic i want a 3343 three, three, just absolute disaster class of a beautiful game so we'll we'll be hoping for that one but on that note thanks everyone for listening and putting your comments whatever they may be i love to hear all sorts of feedback and whatnot and it's always great. it's it's always fun to have the listeners involved so keep on doing that and we'll catch you on the other side